says, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds his hands, the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. Just what to do. 
the Bible says to be still and know that He is God. Uh, another way to uh, that Bible translators have put that is to to cease, to stop all that you are doing. And I want to invite you to make wherever you may be a holy place that you would cease all the toiling, allow all the stuff that is in your mind and in your heart. I guarantee you it will be there in a couple moments. But would you, just for a moment, be present with your spirit knowing that you are with the God who created the heavens and the earth, that he gives you the breath that you breathe in this moment. Just feel the breath in your lungs. The Bible says he is a friend closer than a brother. He's nearer than the breath that you breathe. So as we're still, just let this song be a prayer that washes over your soul. In the stillness of my heart is where I find your presence ever close. In the stillness of my mind is when I come to know your voice. Be still. Be still and know that He is God. He is God. Be still and know that He is God Still and 
praise God for whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly Father and the Son. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Welcome. We are in our last week of the eight-week series about what it means to be the church. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this time has gone by. I woke up this morning thinking, there's no way that eight weeks ago we started this journey in the book of Acts and we're already closing up this session. Uh, for those of you that are wondering, are we done with the book of Acts? No, 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 no. We're not done with the book of Acts. There's so much more to learn. Um, this is our last week for the fall session. Then starting in January, we'll jump into our winter session and we'll pick up right where we left off. So no need to fear. We will get through the book of Acts and you will understand understand it hopefully in more of its entirety. Um, but before we get started today and jump into the last session, I want to remind you of two fun events that are coming up in women's ministry. The first is our women's worship and prayer night. Uh, we're going to have two options for that. It's going to be on Tuesday, November 10th and Thursday, November 12th. We're going to have an in-person option on campus for those that want to join and be part of it on campus. We're also going to be streaming it online. So there's an online option as well. So if you are like me, try Trying to get into the holiday spirit of Thanksgiving, uh, there's no better place to be than to come and spend some time, either online or in person, worshiping with a community of women, praising the Lord, telling Him how grateful we are for what we've been given in this season. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me in this season, in this pandemic, to get a little whiny and complainy. Uh, so our hope for the evening is that we can turn our focus to God and be filled with gratitude and sing his praise for all the good that he has done and continues to do in our lives. Uh, so that's the first event I want to invite you to. The second one is our online Zoom Christmas Women's Gathering. That's going to take place on Tuesday, December 8th. Uh, you can register for the Zoom link. This time, hopefully, we're going to be ready for a huge crowd of people. We've worked out all the kinks, but we really just want to celebrate the Christmas spirit with you. We want to sing some Christmas carols uh, and we just want to be together in community in a way that's accessible for everybody. So we have the worship night coming up in person or online and we also have the Zoom gathering which will be online in December. You can stay tuned for that. We will send more emails out about that. So on that note of all this fun stuff coming up, I want to dive into the passage today and I, I think I'm just excited because the story of Saul is a story of transformation. And I don't know about you, but there's so many times in my life, there's so many seasons I get caught in where I feel stuck. I feel like one of those characters in a movie that you watch that they just, they don't grow and you're like, oh, I just want to see you be better, make a different decision, get on a different path. The story of Saul is one of the most dramatic conversion stories that we'll see in the Bible. Um, and it's this beautiful picture of how God takes us in the mess that we're in and transforms us into new people made in his image in Jesus Christ. And to me, that's a story of hope. 
I feel excited when I read Saul's story to think, man, if Saul can go from being Saul who's killing and threatening Christians to Paul, one of the most prolific writers of the New Testament, that gives me hope that anything is possible for you and I. Uh, so I'm going to open us up in prayer. We're going to dive into the text. And then we're going to see uh, three things that I think Saul teaches us about what we can implement and learn today in this word together. So will you join me in prayer? Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. I thank you that your mercies are new each morning. And God, I thank you that you're not a God who leaves us on the journey alone. You don't leave us stuck in a situation, but you're constantly inviting us to new life and transformation. And so, Father, as we read the story of Saul's conversion today, I pray that it would hit us afresh, Lord, that you would invite us into our own transformation in Jesus Christ through Saul's story, Father. So I pray that you'd speak to us now. We open our hearts to you, God. We lay aside anything that's stressful, anything that we're carrying in the back of our our mind, uh, just to be present and attentive to your word, Father. So we bless you. We pray that you get glory in this place. And would you meet with us now? In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, we are going to dive right into the text. Um, I want to read all of it today. I think there's a lot of amazing things that I don't want to miss out on. So uh, it'll be on your screen and you can follow along with me. So we're diving right in uh, Acts 9. If you'll remember, last week Jill taught about Philip sharing the good news with the eunuch and how he did it instantly and obediently. So we're going right from that story into chapter 9, starting in verse 1. You can follow along with me. It says, meanwhile, uh, so he's talking about meanwhile, while Philip is being obedient and sharing the good news of the Lord with the eunuch, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now I want to pause for a second here. You'll remember Saul is out to get God's people. We saw in the Stephen's martyr or Stephen's martyrdom that Saul was there and he was the one that called the execution. He was part of the Sanhedrin that convicted him. So Saul, you can even see in the description, breathing out murderous threats. Saul is against the way of Jesus Christ in every way you can imagine. And what we see right here is that he even goes to the high priest in Jerusalem to get permission to take prisoners captive in Damascus so that they can get called on trial for following this man named Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't know basically the geography of Jerusalem, Damascus is 140 miles from Jerusalem. This wasn't like a pop next door and get your neighbor in trouble. Saul was out to get anybody in the kingdom who was rooting for the team that he didn't believe in. 140 miles he was willing to go. So verse 3, it says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Anytime you see a double name in the Bible, it usually shows a level of depth, compassion. There's emphasis there. Here the Lord is saying his name twice. Saul, Saul. He's saying, this is important. I need your intention. I care about you. Why do you persecute me? Notice that the Lord doesn't ask him, why are you persecuting my people or my church? He says, why do you persecute me? The Lord identifies so strongly with the church that he sees them as one and the same. So the Lord says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? 
Let's go on. We'll read the rest of the passage, then we'll unpack it together. Uh, Verse 5, Saul asks, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So he led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Verse 10, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming and placing his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Okay, we're going to pause there. Wow. So this is a crazy story of Saul encountering Jesus and having a life-changing encounter with him. Um, I love, I just want to pause in verse uh, 9. It says, for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. I just think this story has so many implications for our faith and for who Saul is becoming in Christ. But the three days of being blind just reminds me of the three days that Jesus was in the tomb waiting for the Father to resurrect him. Saul is in the darkness. He is in a spiritual pit where he's waiting on the Lord to respond. And when I was reading this today, I just couldn't help but think how many of us feel like we're living in a bit of darkness right now. This has been a hard, difficult season for our world, our nation, uh, our community. And I just wonder if any of you out there feel like you're in a season of darkness where you don't understand what the Lord's doing. You don't understand what he's asking of you. Um, I want you to take heart today that God doesn't leave us in that state. He might allow it and permit it for a time, but God is constantly working behind the scenes to bring light where there is darkness. Um, So there's three things that I want to explore today with you in the story of Saul. And the first one is that everyone has a story. Uh, So we see from the start of this, Saul is not a nice guy. He's not a kind guy. He's not the kind of guy you would go and be like, hey, let's get coffee and talk about our different opinions about things. Saul is chasing down and murdering the followers of the way because he thinks he's doing the right thing for God. Um, All of us come with a past. I spent uh, the past few weeks, uh, two weeks to be exact, in Wisconsin. I was visiting my family. I haven't gone home in fall for about seven years, and I didn't get to go home this summer because of the pandemic. So I decided I was going to go home um, and see my family, spend some time outdoors, do the whole thing. And whenever I go home, um, I'm always just reminded of my roots and where I come from. And my mom had this project for me this time when I was home. She said, you have to go through all of your old 
photos. You have to go through, I have boxes and boxes and boxes of your homecomings, of your prom. I don't wanna keep all these photos, you need to go through them. And so I spent two days just looking through photos, filing out good, bad, what do I wanna keep, what don't I wanna keep? It was a hard process. If you've ever had to go through that, it's like all your memories are important, but you gotta discern which ones matter. But as I was going through pictures, I was reminded of really good times in my life and also really hard seasons where I walked through seasons of darkness and unknowing, uh, trials with friends, situations where I didn't know if God was actually speaking to me or if I was making stuff up, seasons of loss, seasons of grief. Uh, Going through all these old photo books brought back a lot of memories of who I used to be. And when I read this text today, I couldn't help but think or just be encouraged that Saul doesn't come from a flowery past. Saul was out killing Christians, persecuting them. He was chasing them down 140 miles away because he believed what they were doing was wrong. And when we think of Saul's conversion, of him being made into a new image in Christ, that part of Saul's story is so important. His religiosity, his sternness, he was for the Levitical law. He wanted everything that God had written in stone to be true. And so he was doing everything from a good place in his heart. He thought he was being right. But what he was really doing, he was hurting God. And the Lord says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Looking through old bolos, I just remembered of the times that I persecuted God, the times of my life that I didn't stand up for what I believed in, the time in my life that I was mean to friends, the time in my life where I refused to forgive people. And when I read this verse, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I just couldn't help but hear my own name in that statement. Coley, Coley, why do you persecute me? And I wonder today if you and I sat with the Lord and if we asked him that question, if the answer to that question would have anything to do with the mission of where we're going. You see, for Saul, Saul's persecution of Christians ended up being this transformation to defend Christians and was indicted all this persecution against him. But I wonder what you and I are doing today that's persecuting the Lord. What behaviors or patterns um, are against God that God wants to change in us and wants to start a new beginning with? Uh, Looking at all these old photos, I couldn't help but remember my brokenness and my past is what initially drew me to the Lord. I had feelings of emptiness, loneliness. I had a ton of feelings of insecurity, of not being enough. Uh, So when I encountered Jesus in my own aha moment, I was seeking all these things in other places in the world that I could only find in Jesus. I wonder for you, what is your story? What did you struggle with before you knew Jesus? What kind of past did you come from? All the things that God, in God's kingdom, are used for God's good. So all of Saul's evil, in a moment of conversion, God creates him into a new person, and he uses his past. He uses his position in the Sanhedrin, his knowledge of Jewish law, his intensity, his all of the things that Saul came out of, God uses for good. And we'll see that the rest of the book of Acts. But I just wonder today, as you and I are sitting here together, What's something in your past that you might be ashamed of or embarrassed about or you feel a heavy heart about? Because what I feel like the Lord is inviting us to in this season is to see our own story in Saul's. Saul was persecuting people and then he comes to know Jesus and I imagine the shame he felt was heavy. 
And I imagine what God wants to say to you and I today is no matter what you've done in the past, no matter where you've come from, it's nothing too big for the Lord to forgive, and it's part of your story. Um, I've heard a lot of cliche different things about this. Uh, your test becomes your testimony. Your mess becomes your message. I want us as followers of Christ today uh, to sink into our own story. It might not be as dramatic as Saul's story, but I just want to encourage you that whatever your story is, whatever brokenness you've come from, you've come out of, whatever battles you faced, the Lord wants to use that to bless the kingdom on the other side of him. Anything redeemed by the Lord uh, can be used for good for the kingdom. So Saul's persecution will suddenly drive him into being persecuted for this cause and sake of the gospel. So everyone's stories matters. Uh, I was reading in Galatians 2.20. This is what Paul says. So Saul becomes Paul. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in us. Whatever your past was, whatever your story was, it's not too big for God to change and transform. And so if you're somebody who's sitting in a pile of guilt, who lives in anxiety, who lives in fear, who feels anguish about things that you've done, things that you've said, things that you didn't say, uh, I want to invite you today that God has a different story for you. He doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to move you into a new season. And Saul encountering Christ, realizing who he is, it starts to change the story of where he's going and how he's living. Um, so no matter what your past was, God wants to use it for your good and for the good of the kingdom. That's the invitation he gives to you and I today. So the first point is, everyone has a story and your story matters. Do not let shame, fear, or doubt cover what God can and will do through you in Jesus Christ. Everyone has a story. The second point we see today is that everyone has a call on their life. I love this story of Ananias, a, a character in the Bible who's only mentioned one other time. He's a disciple. He's not a high religious leader. He's not somebody important in the community. He's an everyday disciple who the Lord calls in a very specific way. He calls them. He gives them very specific instructions. He says, go to the house of of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. So Ananias gets the call to go confront Saul. Can you imagine that? I think of all the heroes in this book, Ananias is an overlooked hero. Here he knows that there is this man coming after believers, coming after Jews who are following Jesus and believing. And Ananias gets the call from the Lord, okay, now you're going to be the one that's going to go and you're going to go pray for him. Can you imagine getting that call? Can you imagine the Lord calling you up and saying, hey, uh, Bin Laden is next door to you. I need you to go over. I want you to lay hands on him and I want you to pray for him. That is a leap of faith. We see in this story that God has a very specific plan for Ananias. He wants to be the one that he uses to bring Saul's full conversion into place. And I wonder who in your life who is the Saul in your life? Who is somebody that you maybe feel distance from, fear from, you're maybe not close to? Who is somebody that the Lord might be calling you to bless? Ananias was called to bless his enemy, to go pray 
for Saul, the murderer, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But Ananias, in his faithfulness, in his obedience, he responded to the call. You see, you and I, all, all of us have calls on our life, and so often I get trapped in wanting to know what the big picture is, right? Ananias probably imagined, what's in it for me? What's going to happen to me? Why Saul of all people? He wanted to know the strategy, and the Lord said, I just need you to go to his house, lay hands on him, and pray for him step by step. The same thing with Saul. When Saul first encounters the Lord, he asks one of the most important questions that you and I can ask in our life. He asks, Lord, who are you? And God's response to him is, I am the Lord Jesus. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do. Baby steps. The Lord is the author of baby steps because he's above time. He can see everything, but the Lord never gives us more than we can handle. So for Ananias, he gave him a very simple, straight instruction. Go to this house, lay hands. The man will be praying. You'll see him. Get, pray over him. He's waiting for you. Ananias receives the call. He takes the next step. The same with Saul. Saul is blinded by the light. He says, who are you? And Jesus responds, I am Jesus. Now go to the city and wait for the next step. You and I often don't get the big vision of what God's doing in our life. A friend explained it really well to me yesterday. I explained a difficult season that I'm in and kind of feeling like I'm running the race and I don't know what the prize is or where the prize is. And she reminded me, she said, Coley, whenever you run a race, you don't ever get the prize until you're done, until you've actually run the race. It's not until you cross the finish line that you know what it is and that you can actually touch it, see it, and taste it. So it makes sense that we're not going to know the fruit or the reward or the prize of what God's asking us to or inviting us into. All we can do is we can be faithful in obeying the little steps that he gives us because little steps are what pile up to the marathon to cross the finish line. Where in your life today has God given you a call that might feel small or difficult and you don't know where it's going? For Ananias, it was crossing the street and praying for somebody who was out to murder him. That's all Ananias knew how to do. That's all he was called to do. He did his job and it set Saul on a completely different trajectory of the Lord. In that moment, Saul received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Scales fell from his eyes and he could see the light. He knew that Jesus Christ was the way, the truth, and the life. And I wonder, are you like Saul? Are you like Ananias? What small step has the Lord asked you to take today that might be confusing, it might be scary? Maybe it's forgiving a friend who hurt you a long time ago. Maybe it's reaching out to a neighbor who scares you. Maybe it's putting your money in a different account or towards a different cause than what feels safe and secure. I just wonder today, what little call that the Lord's giving you? Because little calls become big calls. It's like when a ship is on a boat and the captain changes one little degree in the wheel, you can end, that's the difference between ending up in Africa or Europe. The little decisions that you and I make every day determine the course of our life. Had Ananias said, no, I'm too afraid, we don't know if Saul would have received the gift of the Holy Spirit and would have been converted. If Saul decided to leave the city and go on his own mission, he wouldn't have become the greatest missionary that ever walked this earth. You and I have the opportunity every single day to receive 
small steps of obedience from the Lord and to walk faithfully in them. So I wonder today, what is the Lord asked you to do? Just for today, it might not be, you might not know where it's going, you might not know where it's leading, but would you spend time with him and ask him for what your call is today? Because I believe our faithfulness, our yes, is as big and powerful as somebody coming to know Jesus and changing the trajectory of our lives. Everyone has a call, including Saul. Um, So I wanna read the last portion of our scripture today. Um, And this is what happens after Saul regains his strength. Um, We're gonna see the first thing he does. Uh, Starting in verse, halfway through verse 19, it says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, I'm gonna repeat that so you hear that. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them there and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. All right, so so far we've learned that everyone has a story and the Lord will use the rough parts of our past uh, to bless and minister to those in the future. So everyone has a story and everybody has a call. And that call usually doesn't come in a full package picture where you know where you're going, what you're gonna get, everything that's gonna happen. It comes in small steps of obedience that we have to take by faith. We have to trust that when the Lord calls us, even if it's something scary like Ananias had to do, that there's good in it for us and for others. And the last point I want to make today is that everybody is in process. Everyone is in process. So Saul goes through this dramatic conversion experience where instead of killing uh, followers of the way, he now comes to believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and he goes the complete opposite direction where he starts preaching and teaching and defending that Jesus is the Messiah. But the reality is Saul is not necessarily completely ready for all that the Lord wants to do in his life. If you'll remember, uh, in verse 15, the Lord's command to Saul is that he will make him an instrument to proclaim his name to the Gentiles, then their kings, then the people of Israel. Saul, the first people he goes to is the last people on Jesus's list. Saul, with his background, with his education, with his high standing in the synagogue, Saul goes right to the people that he used to be and starts preaching at them and debating with them. And you know what? They're not ready to receive it. They hear it, 
but they're not converted. Instead, what they try to do is they try to conspire and plot and plan to kill him. They try to persecute him. And my point in this is, Everybody is a work in progress. You see that in the last, the second to last verse, uh, verse 30, it says, when the believers learned of this, that so they were trying to kill Saul, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. And we'll read about this later as we study the book of Acts. But basically, Saul is sent into the desert of Tarsus for three years for God to start to do some big internal work inside of him to get him ready for the missionary journey that God's called him to bring the church to all the ends of the earth. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're anyone like this, you've you've received Jesus Christ, you might have gone the wrong direction, you might have not have gone any direction, I wanna encourage you that we're all works in progress. That's where the Lord's grace comes in, is that he has plans for our lives and we're not automatically ready the next day to do them, which is why learning to do simple steps of obedience and to follow little calls is what prepares us for the big mission of our life. But we see here that Saul, he goes right out to where Jesus, Jesus told him, you're not gonna go to the Jews first. I created you to preach good news to the Gentiles. And so we see Paul or Saul get rejected. Uh, they have multiple plots to kill him. At one point, his followers have to lower him out a window, down in a basket so that he can escape and not be killed. But what I want you to be encouraged by today is that God uses even things that we're not good at, even things we struggle with, even our weaknesses, God uses those to make us more and more like him. Saul was converted, went right out to do what he knew to do, and it didn't work. And sometimes that happens with you and I too. We come to know the Lord and we take off in a direction, whether it's the direction we're supposed to go or not, but it, and it feels like we fail. I don't know if you've ever had an experience of failure. I remember, um, one summer I was, uh, in a, I was with Campus Crusade and our plan was to share the gospel. We were supposed to share our story with everybody we met. And I had never really so boldly proclaimed the name of the Lord. So the first day of Summer Project, they got us all in the room and they said, okay, your first assignment is to go share Jesus with somebody. You have two hours, come back and tell us how it went. And I remember being horrified. Here I had been a believer my whole life. I love Jesus. I didn't think I knew how to succinctly put the gospel in a way that a stranger on the streets of Santa Monica would understand. So I remember with so much fear, I went out and I found a man who was on the street and I, in a lot of ways, I probably kind of cornered him because I knew I had to do this. And I, I tried to share the gospel and it went awful. Uh, at one point, I remember the man yelling. I remember my friend who was with me was like, Coley, we need to go. And I still thought I had a point to make. So I was just, uh, well, just one more thing about Jesus. It was all wrong. Everything I did in that situation was wrong. We got back to the camp. Everybody shared their stories of making these awful mistakes and the leader said, we did that because we want you to realize that this is a summer of learning and we want you to be open to learning new and better ways to share your faith. And that's what we're gonna talk about starting right now. So we are all a work in progress. If you have never listened to what the Lord has for you, the call he has on your life, this is the perfect time to start practicing. What does it look like to wake up with the Lord in the morning and ask him what his assignment is for you? Not what your agenda is for the day, not what your goals are, not what your to-do list is, but what would it look like for you and I to wake up every morning and say, okay, God, what small step do you have for me today? It might reward me, it might harm me, 
Whatever you decide to make it do, I just want to follow you. We are all works in progress. And why that's important is because I, I think you and I can so easily disqualify ourselves from the work of the Lord, right? We think of these church planters, we think of celebrity pastors, we think of all these people and think, well, yeah, they're doing, they're doing the preaching, they're doing the teaching, uh, they're sharing. I, I don't have a part in that, that's not my call. I wanna tell you that if Saul was killing Christians and became the most prolific writer in the New Testament and the most famous missionary of all times, there is a part in God's story for you, but it starts with us saying yes to the process. It starts with us entering wherever we are today, whatever you're going through right now, whether you're in a great season where you're thriving, whether you're in a season where you feel like you can't get out of bed sometimes in the morning, whether you're in a season of grumbling, or whether you're in a season where you're like, holy, I've been in Bible study for 36 years. I know a lot of stuff. I don't need a lesson on this. Wherever you are, God wants to use you right there to continue the good work that he has for you, to make you into the people that he's called and created you to be. Because you see, when Saul got converted, God didn't leave him as Saul. He didn't leave him preaching in the synagogues where no one was listening. God sent him out to Tarsus on a journey to transform him into the eventual missionary who would bring the gospel to all the Gentiles, which is you and I. And so wherever you're at in your journey with the Lord, if it's taking months, weeks, years, I don't know. But I wanna encourage you that we're all works in progress. None of us have arrived yet. We all have something new to learn and God always invites to do something new in us if we're willing and if we're open. So today, as we close out this series of um, what it means to be the church, I wanna encourage you in a few things. One, you are the church. When you come to know Jesus Christ, when you become a believer, you become part of the community, the family of faith that Jesus Christ calls his bride. You are chosen and beloved and you are an heir with Christ. That's how God sees you. So you are the church. And what I see in this story of Saul that I believe is the reality for all of us is that God wants to use wherever you come from, whatever you've gone through, he wants to put Jesus at the center of it. He wants to forgive you of your past and he wants to invite you on a journey with him to an unknown destination. Saul did not know where he was going, what the call in his life was or who he would become. Saul in this moment had no idea. He couldn't have conceived that he would become Paul of the New Testament who shared the gospel with thousands and spread the church throughout all the earth. The same is true of you and I. I don't know where your story is leading and I don't know where my story is leading. But what I do know is we serve a God of transformation who does not leave us in our past, who does not bring us into the present to have a relationship with Christ, to have it stop there. He's continually inviting us to be part of the story, to be part of the transformation that he wants to bring to the entire world. So my question for you today is, will you allow God to speak into your life and transform you? Will you allow God to either lead you to a desert season like Saul is heading into right now, or even to lead you into a scary situation like Ananias went into, where he had to go to an enemy and pray for him? I want you to know that when we say yes to the call that Jesus has on our life, when we allow ourselves to be in process, which means not perfect, not having all the answers, not necessarily getting it right, just trying, 
When we allow God to use us and we try, even though we might fail, that is where the work of the gospel comes into play. That's where our weaknesses come out and God's strength and power are seen through us. All of Saul's brokenness are what allowed Paul's life to put God on display in a way that no other person has done ever since. So you and I are invited to this story. You and I are invited to be the church. What does that look like for you today? What small role, what small step of obedience is the Father inviting you into today? I wanna encourage you and pray for you to say yes. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, I wanna encourage you and I wanna let you know it's the best and most worthy decision you can ever make in your life. One of the things that has drawn me to the faith since I was a little girl and will always draw me is that in Jesus, there's always more there's always more transformation. There's always more love. There's always more forgiveness. There's always more growth. There's always more opportunities. We serve a God of abundance who has more for you and I than we could ask, hope, or imagine. And I believe that in this season, especially, God is inviting you and I to step into that, to step into where he could lead us. Think of all the places you could go. God has a plan for us. And my hope and joy of this season is to see us in this season come to a new place, to continue to take steps of faith, to share our faith with others, to be obedient to Christ even when it's scary and costly. And my hope is that as we do this, God brings the kingdom of heaven to earth and he watches his church expand to include all tongues, tribes, and nations. You and I are the church. You, you and I are plan A for the world. And so I wanna pray for you today that whatever God's asking of you, whatever his call is on your life, that you would receive it and step joyfully into the process with him. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of transformation. We see it so clearly in Saul's life and his transformation to become Paul. But Lord, we know that you have new life in store for all of us as well. You don't leave us where we are, God. You are constantly inviting us to new life in Christ, which is better life. And so Father, for all my sisters today, for myself included, Lord, would you show us what the invitation is? Where are you asking us to be obedient? What small next step are you asking us to take? What yes do you need from us today? And Lord, we want to say yes. We want to be transformed more and more into your likeness and we wanna be the people that you created us to be. So God, would you bless each one of my sisters in this season, Father, as we take a short break from Bible study, would she continue to grow in her love for you, in the word of God, and her trust in you? And would you continue to speak into our lives who you created us to be in this season and what that looks like to walk in faith with you? So I pray a blessing on each of my sisters today, Lord. Walk with them that we may all be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us in this series. We're excited to be back with you in January. And until then, I look forward to seeing you at our women's worship and prayer night or on our Christmas Zoom gathering, hopefully both. Blessings on you.